I want to talk to you today about God is up to something big. God is up to something big. Everything God does is big. Because God is big. Doesn't always start big, but when it's finished, it's big. A God that's so big that the earth can't contain him. The heavens above the heavens can't contain him. There's just no boundaries. There's no limitations upon which God is able to do. There are things that demand a big God. There are two stories that maybe in your memory you'll recall as I refer to them and and that is found in 2 Kings chapter 6 from that great famine. The famine in Samaria. It had reached a, a proportion that uh, the Bible says that there were even those that were eating their own babies. Eating their own babies. And this, it, it, it had... In that the, the, the financial crisis in the food crisis was, was of epic proportion, unimaginable. I can't even comprehend, you know, something of that degree. And yet God makes a promise. God makes a promise. And in that promise, of course, it was an overnight remedy. It was a crisis that had turned into overabundance. More than enough. Just overnight. So, you know, <clears throat> there was one of the persons that said, you know, I mean, God would have to open the windows of heaven in order for this crisis to change. In other words, it's not possible. You know, in the sense of the word, the guy was right. Because with men... Some things are not possible. Jesus himself said that. But he said with God, all things are possible. So yes, human pathways are pathways oftentimes that Are impossible. My. What a. In other words, I guess we need God. We need God. The 
God asked the question to Abraham. And he says, anything too hard for God? Maybe it's a question we need to ask. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Because he's noticing that all human channels have They're, they're, they're just not there. God spoke to, to Isaiah and said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And God is making a promise about a rescue that would happen in the future. Is anything too hard for the Lord? With God, all things. Amen? Are possible. Crisis that are bigger than every human channel. All the power of that mankind has. All the options the door closes because the crisis is bigger. But you know our scripture says this in Isaiah 59 that when this happens When the crisis, the situation, the dead end, its crisis is bigger than you, God says he will come through. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God gets involved. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard uh, against Him, against the crisis, against the enemy. And so then David says that God has broke through my enemies. Now, I personally like a peaceful life. I don't like enemies in my life. But God says in 2 Samuel there, through David, you know what I mean? That sometimes God has to do the breakthrough. You, may be, you and I may be on the battlefield, but it still takes God to bring the breakthrough. And God says, I I will come through. Because I'm a big God. I'm big in power. I'm big in mercy, as John read. I'm big in love. And nothing is too hard for me. 
Think about this. The bigness of God. Isaiah 40 and 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. We're not talking about Lake Pepin. <laughs> or just Lake Pepin. We're talking about the oceans. He has measured the heavens with a span. He's calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. I mean... It's numbers beyond me. But God says, you want to see how big I am? That's how big I am. That's how big I am. I weigh the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. So then he shows us this awesomeness, this bigness, but then he also goes ahead and tells us how personal he is. Your hairs on your head are numbered. He says in Isaiah 40, 22, you know, when he, when he looks at the earth... He says, he sits above the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants are like grasshoppers. And that's pretty small. So God is not moved by in a frayed sense with, with mankind. Government's power, government's laws. No. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. And spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. And then in Ephesians, he hits the pinnacle of it, of this power. And how that that power, you know what I mean? He has made it so we can connect with it. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? Did you know that? Measuring the waters, knowing the number of dust, being able to weigh the hills, it's just a little bit of God's power. The biggest display 
And Paul is trying to tell us is the display that when God rose Jesus Christ from the dead. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places above all the powers. Oh, hallelujah. He says that's an exceeding greatness. You know what connects us to that power? Well, Paul says it's us believing in it. His exceeding greatness to us who what? Believe. So because you're a believer this morning, you are, I are connected to that exceeding greatness. I love what Paul said to King Agrippa in Acts 26 in his testimony to him. Listen to what it says. Imagine you talking, Agrippa, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? I believe it was Dave Telly that said one time, God doesn't do miracles. It's miracles to us, but to him it's not a miracle. It's just what he does. You have to understand that, okay? I'm not saying he doesn't do miracles because it's a miracle to us. But to him, it's just God. Why should it thought be thought incredible that God raises the dead. Amazing. It was Job that made this great confession. He said, I know now that you can do everything. And no purpose of yours can be, can be withheld from you. It, it, yeah. Increase in our view of God. The awesomeness of Jesus. The book of Hebrews chapter 1 gives us a picture in how that Jesus is in charge. Can you say this morning that Jesus is in charge? Absolutely. Think about it. 
God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, in upholding all things by the word of his power. Folks, the word is power. It's power. Psalms 86 says, Among the gods there is none like you. Psalms 22, it tells us that God will have worshipers in all nations, in all tribes, and all tongues. He will have worshipers. Oh, hallelujah. Think about some of the impossible things that God has done. that directly relates in our world. Imagine that what we see and what we know of as Earth and the heavens, etc., was the stars, the moons, and the galaxies is, were all created from nothing. From nothing but the Word. His word. Yeah. Sarah, at the age of 90, gives birth when everything says no. Joseph rises to power, to number two in power. Imagine a bush that burns, but is never consumed. It's in the book. It's in the Bible. You know, it's amazing, the extreme... This is that God will go to get our attention, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, Moses is just kind of, you know, he's doing his thing. He's running his vocation. He's living his day, day by day. And God says, I got, you know, I've got an assignment for you. I've got a job to do. And, you know, I think his sales are pretty well set. And God says, I've got to get your attention, so. And it wouldn't be abnormal to see a bush on fire. That happened all the time. But it was not consumed. Water from a dry rock. I mean, he included all these things. His involvement in our lives. His personal touch. 
mean, he cared about their thirst. And he chose to use a dry rock to give them water. I'm always impressed with the one to an axe head floating. I can relate to that a little better. <laughs> axe head floating. I can't even float. <laughs> and God can make a, an axe head float. See, it had sunk too, by the way. They came to, to him and said, you know what I mean? Master, what are we going to do? We're, we're right in the middle of building something and we lost our axe head. They couldn't go any further without that axe head. Oh. The messages that are in the miracles that God does in our lives. Maybe something that's necessary for you to finish what you've started for God. Maybe it's been lost in the process. It's sunk. We grow up in Sunday school and we hear all these children's stories. Friends, they're more than children's stories. They're God's stories. As they throw Daniel in the Den of lions. They expected that they would crush him before he hit the ground. Fact is, how many know when they threw the other guys in there? The Bible says that before they hit the floor, <laughs> their bones were crushed. So these were hungry lions. Not only of the greatness of God, but, you know, God's involvement in our life. Your adversary, the devil, goes around as a roaring lion, seeking to devour whom he may. But God has given us a resistance power. Another one, of course, that you know so well is the feeding of the 5,000 from almost nothing. These stories tell us that 
when you're down to nothing, when you're at dead-end streets, when you're in between, God is always up to something. When the odds seem against you, hell, he says, why don't you just look to heaven? Why don't you just seek me, as John pointed out to us? Why don't you just call upon me? It would seem like that in those passages of Scripture that John read, that God wants us to put some real earnestness in it. Yeah. God wants us to come to the place that He is the only answer. There's no other, you know, help that's coming unless it comes from you, God. Yes. There's a sufficiency that God says he wants us to have and he gives to us and that is the sufficiency that is in Christ and not our personal sufficiency. The job that I have, the job that you have and the many things that we have, thank God for them. But they are not our sufficiency. They all have limitations. They come up short. I've discovered this. That when it seems like I'm losing, God is only pruning. I come out, man. <laughs> In that losing setup, <laughs> it gets my attention and he shows me little inconsistencies. And he shows me what I should do. what I need to take on and what I need to get rid of. So, he's just pruning. I wonder if that could be what some of the present crises are all about. Is God just pruning? Pruning's not fun. Now, when the pruning is taking place, we look pretty scantily, don't we? Pretty scantily. 
in no correction seems pleasant at the time. But it yields those peaceable fruits of righteousness. It's a father's love, a father's touch. God's big enough to handle. You see, sometimes in the journey, doing the will of God, you will face hindrances. And they're not of your own doing. Your vision, your wish, your will, it's birthed by God. But Paul recognized this, that, that he, he, he wanted to go. He said, I wanted to come to you time and again. Not one time, but again and again. But Satan hindered me. I mean, that's a new one, isn't it, church? Time and again, I think the guy knew, I think he knew how to do warfare. I think he, I think he knew how to do life. I think he knew how to do the God, do the God life. He finally got there. He finally got there. Yeah. What's going on? It may be a hindrance of Satan. You're praying for your kids. You're praying for success over here. You're praying for your ministry, your mission. You got the date set. Want a new house? Yeah. Yeah. Satan just loves to hinder. But do you notice it's hindered? Not successful. He can't stop it. But he can't hinder it. And so we gotta learn to handle, you know, hindrances and walk with patience. Because it says, with patience we possess the promises. Well, God, listen, I've been patient long enough. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think that way, you know what I mean? You can't force God's hand. He is give it up, folks. Let me tell you, you're not going to force God's hand. Not because he doesn't care, not because he's nonchalant about it, you know what I mean? Not because he's, he's interested in you. No, you're not ready yet. We always think we're ready way before we're ready. But the good news is that God finishes what he starts. 
He who has begun a good work, and excuse me, this thing here, I don't have it right, you know what I mean? He who has begun a good work will finish it. He will complete it. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You need more of God, and we all do, then you've got to draw near. God's up to something big. Now let me add to this resistance. Satan, you know, not only attacks the weak, and the distracted, but he attacks the diligent. Take a look at the life of Jesus, the life of Peter, the life of Paul. Men in, in our own history that you can read books about. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness. He was just attacked. You know what I mean? When he couldn't, when he couldn't get him over here, he tried over here. He kept changing up his tactics. He come at a different angle. I don't want to give too, too much space to the, to the enemy here, but, you know, he's, he's real, so. But he relentlessly pursued Jesus. And the Bible says that he gave him a, he gave him a, uh, you know, downtime. He left him for a season. He left him for a season. Now, it doesn't tell us what happened in those seasons. He figured Jesus said, this is enough, you know what I mean? So you get the message. But greater, he said, is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We got to trust as my musicians to come, we gotta and not trip up. There's a song that we used to sing, and that was that little as much of God is in it. There's two stories. One is about oil, and one is about oil and flour. You're familiar with them and the, the prophet. And you know the outcome. Very little. But much had come out of it. 
there's a, in the story of the, of the oil, there's the word jar that you will see. Some translations is vessel. Basically, it's meant for the same thing. But there's two different words for the word jar used in that discourse. The woman's use of the word jar is just enough for one serving. A small jar. All I have is enough for one serving. And the prophet, in a word to her then, in the promise was, they talked about another jar. It was a different kind of jar. It wasn't a one-serving jar. It was a storage jar. So she went from a one-serving jar to a storage jar that fed her family in her household. God does big things with little things. The truth of the matter is this morning, church, there is enough oil in our jars. When we lift it up to Him and we give it to Him, that transforms it and changes it. So it's not just a one serving, but it feeds the multitude. What's in your hand is small. But it's not about your hand, it's about God's hand. You're in God's hand. God takes the single serving. Multiplies it. Never run dry. Never run dry. Let me read this story as I close this morning. What's in your hand? greater potential than you can even imagine. It was in 1990. A 26-year-old man robbed a, a bank at gunpoint and he made away with $6,000. He was apprehended shortly after that and he was sent to jail for six years. 
And later the police discovered that the pistol that he used was not a typical handgun, but was an antique Simpson owned, a 45 caliber Colt semi-automatic, one of only 100 made. It was worth, at that time, upwards of $100,000. If only he would have known what was in his hand. Stand with me. It's not just what's in your hand, but it's whose hand you are in. It's whose hand you are in. And I have to quit. I've got so much more, but I will quit this morning. But I do want to read from the book. Some promises. Psalms 107.35, He turns the wilderness into pools of water in the dry land, into water spouts. Psalms 114, verse 8. He's given us a history lesson. Who turned the rock into a pool of water and flint into fountains of water. Then I read from Isaiah 35. What a mighty God! Don, you need to hear this. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. How many remember know when that began to happen? of Jesus ministry the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert the parched ground shall become a pool the thirsty land springs up with water There's a whole lot that's going to happen in the millennium. But we have access to it in the here and now. What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? All things are possible if you can believe.
We've got to put a challenge on our faith. Amen. We've got to put a challenge on our faith. Praise God. And I believe we can do it as we look at the bigness of God and the personalization of God's people. you got to believe you only... That's a good song, let me tell you. That today you might only have a jar for one serving. Because of the promises of God and because of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a whole lot more than one serving. Hallelujah. More than one serving. For my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Give the Lord a praise this morning as we sing. Hallelujah. God is up to something big. Let me read you the word of the Lord that Elisha gave that day. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. That was to the the famine. Thus says the Lord tomorrow, about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. There stood an officer whose hand the king leaned, answered and said, the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, that as Elijah said, Elisha, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. I think it pays to believe. (laughs) I think it pays to believe. Because you know the story. He was trembling at the gate as people ran for the abundance that God had provided for them. I don't want to just see it. I want to partake of it. I don't want my unbelief. get in the way. I don't believe is anything too hard for Father today. I thank you you said that the anointing breaks every yoke. And I'm asking you today to break the yoke of hindrances asking you to break God that that doubt that brings on belief not a belief in you God but that somehow we've downsized you forgive us for downsizing you God
I pray this morning in the name of Jesus Christ that the dry rocks give forth water. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that the wildernesses turn into the rivers in the barren become fruitful in the one jar become storage containers in Jesus name amen and amen give the Lord a praise this morning hallelujah amen Go with God.